J.J. McCarthy is getting ready for his first road start in the Big Ten in one of the hardest places to play in the Big Ten. We've got both hosts from Michigan and Iowa in to preview the matchup. You are locked on Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Listening into Locked On Big Ten, I'm Nate Dickinson. We're joined today by the hosts of both Locked On Michigan, Isaiah Holes with us, and Trent Condon, the host of Locked On Hawkeyes. It's a big game this weekend, a rematch of the Big Ten championship game from last year. Of course, we all know how that one ended up. A big, big blowout win for Michigan there. But as you come into this matchup, Wolverine's pretty much the same story. It's a huge, huge favorite right now for Michigan. And I guess we'll start there, Isaiah, as you come into this matchup. Really, really good offense going up against a really good defense, though. How are you feeling about like where your confidence level's at as a top five team that has a lot of reason to think things are going to be kind of easy this weekend? But also, this is Iowa. It's at Iowa. It's a good defense. It is a quarterback making his first road start in the Big Ten. I, I'll, I'll let you tell us more just about the situation. How are you feeling about it? You know, I, I feel very similar to how I felt going into Wisconsin last year in that I really feel like this is a team that it has kind of everything in front of it. And I know that J.J. McCarthy, this is his first road start. It, it was Cade McNamara's first road start last year as well. And people kind of acted like Cade was so much older. I know he, he had a year in the program beforehand and uh, you know, everyone kind of went into that Wisconsin game. You know, I remember listening to Sirius XM and some friends of mine, Bobby Carpenter and and uh, and Bill Bender were talking on my drive into Madison last year. And they're like, I, I don't see how Michigan wins this game. They haven't won in Wisconsin in 20 plus years. But that that was the game when Michigan kind of really came out. Right. And, you know, it, it's this already has a lot of echoes to last season in that you saw Michigan struggle in his Big Ten opener to some degree. I thought this was much less of a struggle going up against Maryland than what we saw last year against Rutgers. So uh, with that in mind, I, I think that it's going to be incumbent on JJ McCarthy to not make mistakes against a really, really, really good uh, Iowa defense. That's the big thing, right? Is don't make big mistakes, but Michigan will probably have a similar game plan as it had last year in the sense of try to get Iowa off kilter early, try to score early, put the, get get the score up just due to the nature of the Iowa offense and then defensively try to do what you've been doing essentially it, it, it was a big test for them this last week against Maryland and it's high flying passing offense uh, obviously uh, Trent can speak to that but it's it's a little bit of a different scenario uh, going up against the Iowa offense so I, I feel good but at the same time you know, if, if Michigan makes mistakes that feeds right into Iowa's hands I was there on the field in 2016 I know how quickly things can change. So Michigan just needs to go out and play smart, execute, and it will be okay. But Iowa's goal is to keep that from happening. Well, let's hear from Trent Condon, host of Locked On Hawkeyes. You mentioned big, big uh, favorites, Michigan here in this game, Trent. Iowa has not looked good. Uh, plead your case. Well, you look at the offensive blows and, and they tell the whole story. It's hard to come up with a definitive argument because of these offensive struggles. 131st in the country out of 131 teams. And as bad as the numbers are, it looks even worse. They played 
a terrible defense two weeks ago in Nevada, still struggled in that game to move the ball consistently. Though the run game has shown a couple of glimpses, it's not exactly against Murder's Row here. This is all about a couple of things. You look at historically, that's where you get into Iowa against top five opponents at Kinnick. They have won five of the last six, and the only loss came in the final play of the game against Penn State, and it took a Herculean effort from Saquon Barkley for that to happen. That's what you're hoping for. Iowa can't win this game even 27-24. I mean, it's got to be 17-13, 13-10. It's got to be that type of a ball game. But Kinnick, special things happen, and, and that's the hope that they're going to be able to do it again. they got to find a playmaker, though, and really there's only one guy on the offense that looks like he has that skill set. It's the freshman Caleb Johnson had two big touchdown runs two weeks ago, a 40-yarder and a 55-yarder. He's the difference maker out there. Is Kirk Ferentz willing to go with the freshman and get him 18, 20, 25 touches? I think that's only shot for Iowa sustainability offensively and give themselves a shot to hang around in the fourth quarter when funny things happen in Kinnick Stadium. Do you think 17-13 is really in the cards here? This team's averaging 50 points per game out there, Trent. I mean, let's just, I mean, let's take it piece by piece. I had it in my notes. How do you slow down Blake Corum? That's the strength on strength, right? Your run defense is supposed to be able to slow down guys. And the one big thing about this Iowa defense is their ability to slow down the run. They've been able to do that certainly all season long, and that is where Bill Parker starts the defense. It's making plays in the backfield, but up front. And Iowa has depth on the defensive line. You think back during the 24 years of Kirk Ferentz, there's been some great defensive lines, but they've never had the depth that they have this season. Lucas Van Ness is a guy that hasn't started. Uh, people have him on NFL draft radars. He can play inside. He can play outside. He, he is built like Hercules himself. He is an absolute monster in there. They got guys off the edge. They got guys against the run. The depth of the defensive line is what gives them a shot. Look, to expect them to slow down the Michigan team and get them off the field continually, you know, three and out, short possessions, that's not likely. But if they can just bog down, keep them out of the end zone and keep them to field goals, that's what gives them a shot. And that's something that Phil Parker has been great about during his career as a defensive coordinator. So that's the big thing here. Slow down quorum and make McCarthy beat you. And if he does, you got to tip your ball cap if he's able to do that. The environment, though, it's going to be crazy on Saturday. Isaiah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that same kind of idea of Michigan being held down here scoring very much. Do you see that happening? I mean, what kind of score can they be held to here? Well, I mean, they only did score 34 against Maryland, but they shot themselves in the foot on three different drives, you know, that, and uh, even thir- I mean, even 34, you're not, that's 15 more points. And I'm saying I was putting up it on any day this game gets played. Right. Right. But I mean, you know, what's, what's the Maryland defense compared to the Iowa defense and, and granted last year, Blake Corum had five carries for 74 yards. Uh, Michigan had 211 yards rushing against that Iowa defense in the big 10 championship game. Uh, but there, in order to be able to do that, if you're Michigan, you can't rely solely on Blake Corum. You need Donovan Edwards to be back uh, because he he does some extra things uh, for your team uh, also in the pass game. And it, just the, by virtue of him being out there, it makes the Iowa defense have to respect a different element, especially with J.J. McCarthy at quarterback. Now, last week, I think things could have looked a lot different for Michigan, but J.J. had zero designed runs, I think, in large part just because Cade McNamara is out. You don't want to not have him available, J.J., that is, for this Iowa game. Uh, it'd have to rely on – now that they've got some backups they like in Alan Bowman and uh, who's actually still the most experienced quarterback on the Michigan roster, believe it or not, uh, being a multi-year starter for Texas Tech. 
but uh, him and Davis Warren, they like them. But I, if I'm Michigan, I'm going into this and saying we have to be able to run J.J. McCarthy. We have to be able to run with Donovan Edwards as well as Blake Corum really not just be, they're not going to just run between the tackles, right? They're, they're going to run a bunch of different types of things to keep Iowa off kilter. And that's, and then also including Donovan Edwards in the passing game, assuming he's back that those are all the types of things that can break things up for Iowa. Obviously last year, it was a mixture of the long quorum run as well as the Donovan Edwards pass the bomb down to the, down the sidelines to Roman Wilson. Those are all things that they did. And I think that's one of those things going into this game, they're going to need some of that kind of trickeration early. Cause if I'm Michigan, I'm doing the same exact thing. I have the same idea is what I had in the big 10 championship game. And that score 14 as fast as you possibly can. And if you do that, it's, it's awful hard for the Iowa offense to come back, especially on this Michigan defense, which is outside of Maryland, which is, probably the second best pay, uh, pass offense it's going to see all year. It's, it's been pretty shut down. Mm-hmm. As you look at this game leading up to this week, Trent, uh, he mentioned that big 10 title game. How much has that been kind of the motivation and talk leading up to this game? Uh, it's something that's been even in the off season. So Iowa has this off season program called uh, Kinnick edge. And, and what they talk about during it is it is a big, big component of putting the team, team camaraderie. Well, the team that helpfully won this team event was called the 39ers. How many did Michigan win by last year? 39, 42-3 in that championship game. It's been a calling card. They were embarrassed. Phil Parker, the defensive coordinator, was embarrassed. It was a 21-3 game. Michigan put three on late in the game, and that's going to be motivation this week for Iowa. They know they didn't play their best in that game. They know they let one get away. They had a wide-open touchdown in the first drive of the game on a halfback pass. They threw it to the fullback because Brian Ferentz is – well, Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator, but it was a wide open touchdown. They let them get away. They're a great kicker from a year ago, missed a chip shot field goal. And from there, it just, it was one of those nights for Iowa. They were not as bad as they looked last December, but the motivation is certainly there. They remember that game and they just want to give themselves a chance. Look, this offense has got problems, but the defense, I'm not concerned about it. I think they're going to have a full effort. Can Iowa score enough? That remains my question, but I think the defense is going to look a lot better than what we saw in December. All right, well, we'll see what ends up happening, guys. It's one of the best offenses in the country in Michigan going head-to-head against the best scoring defense in the country right now in Iowa. It's going to be a good one here, and it's going to be a fun little classic Big Ten matchup, I feel like, in Kinnick on Saturday. We'll have both of you guys on here, I know, soon to talk more because both these teams are always going to be in the conversation in the Big Ten. But we thank you for taking a couple of minutes here right now just to chat with us here. Isaiah with Locked On Wolverines and Trent as well with Locked On Hawkeyes. Be sure to give their shows a listen as well if you're a fan of those schools too. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you. My pleasure. Today's episode of Locked On Big Ten is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the place to go for any of your online sports gambling needs. Whether you want to get on and make sure that you've got all of your money in the right place by getting that knowledge that you need before you put your bets in, or if you're actually looking for all of the lines, odds, and places you can put bets in on as well, you can head on over to Bet Online and get everything you're looking for. It's where the game starts and it's everything that you need to make sure that you're getting all that you can out of this college football betting season. Big 10, of course, starting up seven Big 10 games this weekend. You can bet on all of them at BetOnline. And of course, 
get all the info you need on everything that's going on in those games leading up to it at the website too. So head on over to Bet Online, where the game starts. We're back in on Locked On Big Ten alongside Jacob Rude, the host of Locked On Hoosiers. I'm Nate Dickinson. We're going to talk a little bit about some really just total speculation at this point, it seems like. Well, okay, not speculation. This is reporting done by Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports, but it's a whole lot of a mess, if you ask me, as far as what all of it actually means and what we can make of it right now, Jacob. Uh, CBS Sports reporting here that at least... Right now, the Big Ten is looking at adding four more schools out of the Pac-12. Cal, Oregon, Washington, and Stanford. Uh, names that we've heard before. But at least right now, the motivating factor for the Big Ten is that they think they can make this beneficial for them again if it means that another streaming service media company can get in on the Big Ten media rights deal. So... Things are really, really weird there on like how all that gets intertwined. There's a whole lot to try and think about, about like what all this means for everybody involved. But at least as far as adding these four teams right now, I kind of want to start there because at least when I think about it, I think about, okay, adding USC and UCLA is a no brainer, right? It seems like not only the right move to make, but something that makes your conference like immensely stronger when it needed to alongside the SEC. When I'm thinking about adding these four schools here, it seems to start to get a little hasty for me. And I think about when you add Rutgers and Maryland, however long ago it's been now, that was kind of the same idea. Teams or conferences were scrambling to get schools. People thought that you needed to be able to pick up and again, hold the power that you had. And it turned out to be a couple of schools that just have not been able to keep their own here in the Big Ten so far. It's not the same situation with those four schools on the West Coast. Those four schools have a bit more to their names than what Rutgers and Maryland do coming into the Big Ten. But as far as just adding the teams right now, I was saying, okay, USC, UCLA, perfect, great move. What needed to happen? This is when I'm starting to question, okay, is it getting to be too much too fast, Jacob, here? Yeah, uh, but I I feel like... That bridge was almost crossed by adding UCLA and USC. Um, But to me, that always felt like a like the first domino in a a series of moves. It was a really big domino, the biggest domino uh, and kind of an an obvious one. But there were other things that were going to have to happen. I still would find it really hard to believe that when UCLA and USC join the Big Ten, their closest conference competitor is going to be 1,500 miles away in Nebraska. I I really think that somebody's going to be added. Uh, Multiple teams probably will be added, uh, or schools, I should say, um, to at least mitigate a, a good chunk of that travel. When it comes to these four schools specifically, um, I... It's a mixed bag. I mean, uh, it would make sense maybe with the idea of wanting to get a streaming uh, deal of of some sort uh, because uh, outside of maybe like Arizona and Arizona State, those are probably for the bigger remaining kind of draws. And it takes you all the way up and down the coast uh, on the West Coast. So from that standpoint, it makes sense. 
I don't know. I, I just end up thinking all about the money when it comes to this at this point uh, and the money with Oregon and Nike and with um, being able to to save on travel and, and have these schools compete against one another and keep some rivalries and things like that. That part of it makes sense. I don't know about adding four more schools. That part I do agree that might be a little bit too fast, uh, but I don't know. It, it feels like we already we already jumped the shark, basically. And at this point, what's the difference between adding two more versus four more? It feels like inevitable that we're going to get to that point anyway. So I guess if the money's right, that's probably what we should expect. I think you're right. I think Kevin Warren is thinking the same kind of thing. He's been gassed to the metal or pedal to the metal since he's gotten here doing this. And I think he has that similar kind of mindset of if this is where we're headed, let's get there as soon as possible. Let's be the yeah. first ones there. But at the same time, there's just so many people that get upset or at the very least get a little bit weaker if this happens like right now. The Big Ten gets stronger. But when you're talking about like the media rights partners that you have right now, let's say you get more Big Ten games. But the Big Ten's reasoning here is that by bringing in more Big Ten games, they can then sell more Big Ten games, right? That's the only reason why this makes sense to do here so quickly. So if you're bringing in an Amazon, let's say, which has been one of the bigger names that's been thrown around there is wanting to get in on this, then you have a Fox, NBC, CBS who no matter what happens are going to have some of their games that they would have had taken away by Amazon. Some of the games that they would have had that they would have gotten in whatever weird draft that they do. Now Amazon has a slot in there. So you just go ahead and you think, okay, well, let's move everything back down a notch after the very top of what we're getting. At the same time, Amazon isn't bidding on the same thing that it was a couple of months ago. It was trying to be one of those main partners. And according to what the Big Ten's trying to do here reportedly, it would instead be kind of just getting the back end of what's ever left out of like the Stanford, Oregon games that get added in and everything on top of everything else. So with the streaming services, you're not making anybody happy. I don't know if you're making the conference itself all that much better by adding these four schools. So when you start to throw all that together, I agree that this is where we're headed. And I agree that you should be continuing to try and make progress if you're a guy like Kevin Warren instead of just sitting there. But this just seems like a lot to do right now, right away. It seems like while the USC, USCLA move was calculated and put together and done when it needed to be done, this would be something that is kind of just in the aftermath of having just put together your media rights deal trying to throw in and get a little greedy and get a little more money. And I, I just picture myself 10 years from now looking at that Cal team and seeing a football team that hasn't been able to do anything along with a basketball team too. Yeah, it's fair. I mean, you're basically having these companies bid for Pac-12 after dark football games each week, it seems like, and things to that nature. And yeah, I mean, will we look back at, at this and um, similar to – how we do maybe Rutgers who struggle to compete in, in basically every sport with this Cal team that uh, hasn't been at that level for quite a while. So it, it's an interesting proposition. Um, I, I will say that just with the nature of how 
this USC UCLA thing came out of absolutely nowhere. Uh, I have some kind of hesitations always believing these reports. Uh, but I mean, ultimately I do think something like this basically will happen. I don't know if it'll be these four schools. I don't know if it'll be four schools period. Uh, but I, I would not be surprised if this is the end goal of, of adding enough schools that you can really lessen the amount these programs are going to have to travel across the country for conference games, which is just a weird, that's never not going to be weird to say. I guess that would be what I would want to do too, because I'm, I guess like I'm kind of contradicting myself. I'm saying, yeah, this needs to happen, but no, I don't think this should be what exactly happens. Like, I guess if you're going to add schools, get someone bigger, like the location doesn't matter anymore. Yes, it would be nice to get those schools next to USC and UCLA, but they're not adding. Get the big football schools out of the Big 12. Go get somebody else out of the ACC who can compete in basketball. Get a North Carolina maybe or something. If you're going to go after more schools, you've got the power right now. This is the window before the SEC gets its media rights deal in. And while things are still expanding, here's the window to go big. I I just don't think that if you're going to get bigger, those four schools are the convenient ones. They are not the ones that I would put at the top of my wish list. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't. Maybe Oregon might be close, Stanford as well, but Washington and Cal where I didn't, even just like in Arizona uh, would make, I think, a lot of sense. And it's geographically closer to uh, these schools than than what they are now. I don't disagree with that. Uh, I don't know how much weight they have to throw around in the ACC just yet. This mainly does feel like just uh, picking up what's left of the Pac-12 or the Big 12, uh, whatever's left there. Uh, if you can poach some schools from the Big 12, Kansas has always been one that uh, I thought made a ton of sense, even though they don't necessarily compete uh, in football. They are this year, though. But uh, Kansas is one I always thought made sense. But, yeah, go go pick out some of the best programs from the Big 12 and, and kind of bridge that gap with some schools in the middle versus – everything on the West coast or everything on the East and Midwest and see if you can get some stuff there in the middle too. Well, it'll be, I'm sure shocking, whatever happens next. And like you said, it was out of nowhere last time. I, I don't know if see, it feels like we can be as ready for it as we're going to be now, but it'll still be surprising whenever the next expansion news does come and it's coming. Jacob Rue with locked on Hoosiers is with us every single week talking big 10 with us. Of course, hosting Locked On Hoosiers every single weekday as well. Jacob, tough loss for Indiana last weekend against Cincy. What happened with that defense? Yeah, a lot of the things that Indiana was able to kind of screw up on and get away with uh, against your Idaho's and your Western Kentuckys, Cincinnati absolutely punished them. Mm. Um, and, I mean, part of it was scheme. Uh, IU really focused on uh, stopping the run and left some defenders on islands and they got burned and it it, uh, escalated really quickly in that regard. But (laughs) uh, I mean, they, they did figure some things out in the second half. They were probably the better team in the second half, but unfortunately they spotted them 28 points. So I don't know how much of that was even Cincinnati really trying in the second half. So um, yeah, it it was an expected loss. Um, Hopefully they're able to learn from it. And it's a conference game against Nebraska that 
feels a lot more winnable than it did at the beginning of the season now this week. Subscribe to Locked On Hoosiers wherever you get your podcasts, just like you do here on Locked On Big Ten. Thanks for letting me pick your brain here for a few minutes, Jacob. Always love having you on. Yep, as always. Welcome back to Locked On Big Ten. Thank you again to all the guys for joining us on the show today. Jacob, Isaiah, Trent, all of them, of course, getting us great insight going into the weekend and hopefully helping you get a better idea of what to expect as we get into another exciting week of Big Ten football. A couple of other Big Ten notes before we end up the show today. It's uh, only a few things to make some note on. Uh, first off, we had some chatter going on around the Big Ten, outside of the Big Ten, actually. Rick Kaczynski, former Nebraska head coach, not head coach, he was a former Nebraska coach, called Tom Allen a clown. I haven't really read all of it yet. Uh, Indiana fans were not happy online from what I had first uh, seen of this from. It was not pretty, but that happened. So I'll figure out what's going on there. Uh, other news, we got a really, really big women's soccer matchup coming up here tonight. It's number eight, Northwestern against number 10, Rutgers. I may have had that switched up, actually. No, no, I got it. Number eight, Northwestern against number 10, Rutgers in a top 10 matchup in the Big Ten in early in the season. So there are going to be, of course, big implications here. If you're just a Big Ten fan in general, that's just something to keep on your radar as we get through the Big Ten fall calendar. And some news coming out of Northwestern as well, outside of just the big soccer game tonight. Uh, Northwestern announced plans to tear down Ryan Field and build a new stadium that's a bit more modern, they say. It'll be smaller. And then also, with that, a little bit more designed to do other stuff outside of just football, uh, host concerts, other sort of events in a more natural arena setting than what you have in Ryan Field right now. So... I think it's a good move for Northwestern. Of course, being right by Chicago, something you can take good advantage of and make some money on if you're able to make that an actual an event venue too. So I'm all for it. And with what they've got now at Ryan Field, I'm all for a replacement too. That's all for the show here today. Again, we've got betting lines with Matt Sheehan on tomorrow as we get into the weekend. I'll get our picks on every game as we get, again, our first full slate of all Big Ten. Seven matchups between the 14 teams here on Saturday. It's going to be a fun weekend of football. Until tomorrow, be sure to, as always, follow on Twitter or wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube too. It's all locked on Big Ten. One zero at the end, not T-E-N. I'm Nate with Sports on Twitter, at Nate with Sports. And until tomorrow, this has been Locked on Big Ten.